the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. He gives us his word so that we will understand right and what is wrong. It's what God uses to inform us of his will. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And I entitled this message, Running the Race. It's been said that we're all in a race. To some, it's the great race of life. To others, it's nothing more than a glorified rat race. (laughs) Some might say amen to that. But nonetheless, we're all in it, some more than others, of course. And it doesn't take long to figure out that everything in life can be filled with some type of of, again, competition. Yes, life can be competitive, right? I mean, we strive to get better in our jobs, to get promoted. And of course, I know that it's not who wins or who loses. It's all in how you play the game. Well, some people think like that, but if you're anything like me, if I'm in a game, I want to win. I don't care if it's Monopoly we're playing. I want to win. If I'm in a basketball game, I want to win. Okay, it's just it's just how I do things. But everything in life, it seems, is still full of goals and desires to be fulfilled. And the person who goes the farthest in life is usually the one who works the hardest. Yes, life can be a race in many different ways, whether it's a three-legged race, a a drag race, a a marathon race. It was the famous astronaut Neil Armstrong that agreed with me because he said this quote, I believe that the good Lord gave us a finite number of heartbeats, and I'll be doggone if I'm going to use them running. (laughs) Hey, that's a great point. (laughs) Anyway, Will Rogers, he said this quote, We can't all be heroes because someone has to sit on the curb and clap as they go by. That's right. That's true. And the older you get, the more you want to sit on that curb. But anyway, we're going to look into the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. In light of our title now, Running the Race, we're going to look at our first point here, Running with Rights. So let's start reading here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, picking up in verse 1. So Paul's making a state. Again, he's defending himself. He says these people are making crazy accusations against him. He says, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Yes, he saw him, you know. Are you not my work in the Lord? Talking about the very church at Corinth itself. 
If to others I am not an apostle, talking about those who are making accusations against him, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. The very fact that this church is alive and breathing is what he's saying to the people at Corinth. Verse 3, my defense to those who examine me, the ones that are making accusations against him, is this. Do we not have a right to eat and drink? People will come against him for everything. It's like, hey, I have the right to eat and drink. He says, do we not have a right to take along a believing wife? Doesn't appear that the apostle Paul was married, but he's saying, if I wanted to be, I could, even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas talking about Peter. Or do only Barnabas and I not have a right to refrain from working? See, Paul wasn't taking money to support his ministry because there were so many people making accusations. So he decided to work as a, as a tent maker, you know, to support himself, you know. But he, what he's saying is, don't I have the right to not work and the people support me as a minister of the gospel who at any time serves, verse 7, as a soldier of his, at his own expense? He's like, if you're a soldier, then you're being paid to be a soldier, right? You go in the military, you can be paid to be in the military. He says, who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it? Like, is there any some farmer out there that's starving when he's got a whole field full of fruit? No, of course, he's eating his own food. Or who tends a flock and does not use the milk of his flock? He says, I am not speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? Or does not the law also say these things? He says, the, the word of God tells us these things. For it is written in the law of Moses that you shall not muzzle the ox while he's threshing. And then he says, God is not concerned about the oxen, is he? No. What he's saying is that was a terminology that was used. It's like, don't muzzle the ox while he's eating. What he's saying is, when the men of God are out there doing the work of ministry, don't muzzle them. Don't hold back. Make sure that their needs are met. So Paul points out some rights that he had as a minister of the gospel. So he starts off with a defense of those rights. He says, I am a free man. I can go wherever I want to go and do whatever I want to do, just like you and me have that freedom here in America. And then he gives the Corinthians his resume. Listen, I'm an apostle of God. I've seen Jesus. Remember, Jesus dropped him off his horse on the road to Damascus. He goes, I've seen Jesus. I've talked to him. I have the anointing of God on my ministry. And these very Corinthians were the fruit of his labor. He said in verse 2 that they were the seal of his apostleship. A seal was used in that day as seals are still used today. Okay? They protect contents, right? Doesn't everything that we buy pretty much have a seal on it? You know, it's like if you buy a vitamin drink for three bucks, you go to open it, it goes, you know, as you open it up because it, what? It protects the authenticity of whatever is in that thing. That's why those seals are used. And so we open it up again, and if the seal's broken, then we shouldn't drink whatever in there, right? Because you don't know if some crazy person opened it up and put something in there. That's why when you open up medicine bottles, if they're tampered with, the manufacturers say, well, don't use this item if the seal is broken. You know, yes, a seal, again, is designed to keep the contents from being altered, to keep, again, the authenticity of the product. Well, in the same way, 
these Corinthians were a seal of Paul's apostleship. How is that? Because they were the fruit of his ministry. They were a living, breathing church because of the work that he put in there. And it was thriving in their newfound faith in Christ. All because, again, of the investment that Paul made into their lives. Then he goes on to say, I could have a wife. I could be supported as a full-time minister of the gospel. Peter and the other disciples are supported in the ministry. They're paid a paycheck. He continues to justify this claim by the fact that, again, soldiers get paid in the military. They're room and board. Farmers eat the fruit of their land. Shepherds drink the milk of their flocks. Yes, the Apostle Paul establishes his right to all of these blessings. But again, why? Why is he going into all these details and why do we care? Well, this, this, is, this is why Paul has been dealing with these liberties and privileges And his bottom line was simply this. We are never to allow our liberties or our privileges in this life to ever stand in the way of the gospel uh, or our lives as Christians. And now, after Paul makes a complete and thorough argument for his personal rights and liberties, look at what he says in 1 Corinthians 9, 12. He says, if others share the right over you, do we Not more. So other people are coming in and, you know, they're having another, you know, their version of the gospel and whatever there. He says, but nevertheless, we did not use this right, but we endure all things that we may cause no hindrance in the gospel of Christ. So what he's saying is there's other people that were coming in talking about ministry and they were taking offerings to support them. And yet Paul's saying, look, I could do that also, but I'm choosing not to do that because I don't want anyone to say that I'm doing this only for the money. So Paul's not saying they're wrong by, quote, taking an offering or whatever. For when Jesus sent out the 70, remember when he sent out the 70 in twos that had been following him in Luke chapter 10? He says, go and don't take anything with you. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He goes, so don't take any money with you, for the people will will supply your need so that you can continue ministering out on the road. The Bible says the laborer is worthy of his wages, and their labor was simply sharing the kingdom of God and that it's come. So for Paul, though, he made the conscious decision to live a life in such a way that no man could accuse him of preaching the gospel for any kind of a monetary gain or any other kind of motive. But again, Paul said in verse 14 that the Lord has directed those who proclaim the gospel to make their living from the gospel. Well, that's why, you know, God has set up in the church to bring tithes and offerings into the church. Why? Well, so that we can have a building that we can actually turn the lights on. And here we have actually quite a few lights, as you can see. But it's like, it's like, so how is there going to be food in my house to minister the word of God if there's no place to meet and there's no place to gather together? So that's why the Bible says, bring your tithes and offerings 
into the storehouse. And if you don't, God says, you've robbed me in this. So that's why we bring these things in so that God can have a house set up here on the west side of LA that we can be available to any marriage that needs counseling, that we can be available to those and pray for those that are sick so that we can encourage people in the word of God. I had a young lady come forward here this morning and said, Pastor Steve, I'm going to get married. Can you marry me? And my question was, I mean, I shouldn't, that's not the question. The answer was yes. And I said, and you can get married here in the church. And you know how much that will cost you for this wedding venue? Nothing. Because you go to this church. We're doing a, Pastor Kevin's doing a funeral, uh, I believe, next Friday for someone in our church that lost their baby, and we're doing that uh, funeral in here. Do you know what we charge for that? Nothing, because that's the way it's supposed to be. That's the job of the church. Now, I did tell the young lady, I said, now, I will do the wedding for you, and I will not charge you a penny. The church will not charge you for having the wedding here. Uh, We don't do receptions here, but you can do the ceremony here. And we will bless you, we'll have worship, we'll do all of these things. But I said, there's some prerequisites. And she's like, well, what's that? Well, the person that you're marrying, they need to know Jesus. (laughs) Okay, number one. Number two, if you're having any sexual contact with that person right now, that has to stop immediately. And you have to make a commitment to you and your fiancé that you will not have any sexual relations until the day you get married. And number three, you have to agree to go through our pre-marriage counseling. And what is that pre-marriage counseling and how much does it cost? Well, what it costs is zero. And what it's for is to prepare you for that marriage. It's going to take about three months. It's going to be a lot of homework. You're going to sit with four different pastors. And you're going to go through on what the role of the wife is and what the role of the husband is. See, now how are we able to do that? Because we have a church, because we have pastors on staff, because we want to minister. Our goal, I said, look, if you just want to get married, then go to Las Vegas. You don't even have to get out of the car. They got drive-through, you know, wedding chapels. You know, if they're just getting married, go get married. But if you want God's blessing on the marriage, we want to invest in you. Because one day, that honeymoon's going to be over. That's what we do. That's what the church does. So again, understand Paul's not saying that they're wrong by taking offering, but it's just what he's saying is like, look, I want to make sure that me personally, no one accuses me for doing this out of the wrong motive or what have you. But again, you know, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. So back when the people of God were coming back from the 70 years of of captivity in Babylon. Remember when that happened? Remember they rebelled against God? Everyone was kind of doing their own thing, kind of like what America's doing now, blowing God off and doing whatever they want to do in their own eyes. God allowed his people to be conquered by an invading force, Babylon, and all the people were taken away out of Israel and taken into slavery in Babylon. But 
after 70 years there, God allowed his people to come back. And that's when God raised up Nehemiah and Ezra to reestablish the, the religious and cultural identity back in Jerusalem. They had to rebuild their city from the walls up to the temple itself. They had to reestablish the reading and the teaching of the word of God because that's the only thing that can change the course and direction of our lives to set us in the right direction. So know this, God's word is truth, as you know. It's the standard and rule of which all of humanity is to live by. It's the very word of God that is written from what? From him, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So he gives us his word so that we will understand what is right and what is wrong. It's what God uses to inform us of his will. And getting back to Nehemiah and Ezra back in that day, at one point, the people had stopped bringing their tithes and their offerings into the house of God. Now, what happened then? Well, that caused the Levites, who were to run all of the ministry, it caused them to leave. Those who God put in charge of running the temple services, they, they all left. Now, why did they leave? You know, because they lost their desire to serve God? No, not at all. They left because they had to feed their families. There was no money coming in to support them. Because remember, when the children of Israel came into the promised land, all of the other tribes got a portion of the land, except for the tribe of the Levites. They didn't get, because their portion was the Lord's. And so it was the Lord himself. So they were called to serve him, not to own property and all this. And so all the other tribes were to bring their tithes and offerings in, and that's what supported them. But they had to leave and, and, and because they had to feed their families. Listen to the exhortation that was given to them by Nehemiah. Nehemiah 13.10 says, I also discovered that the portions of the Levites had not been given to them. They weren't getting paid to do the ministry. It's like, you know, the Levites, the singers, and, you know, all these things that were, that were uh, to be performed in the service, they had all gone each to his own field. So I reprimanded the officials, and I said, why is the house of God forsaken? Then I gathered them together and restored them to their posts. He's like, what is wrong with you people? How come you haven't brought in the tithes and the offerings here to keep the ministry going here? It's like the backbone of every country is their spiritual backbone. Why do you think the United States is such a mess right now? We have lost our spiritual footing. Not you personally here, because you're in the right place doing the right thing. But the country as a whole, we have lost our spiritual footing. That's why we are in the mess we are. Know this, we're all called, myself included, to bring our tithes and our offerings into the house of God. Why again? So that the ministry of the Lord can take place. And you know, it's like, I don't set my salary. It's like we have a board of directors here. They set my salary. And then, well, I set everyone else's salary. But but it's like, I don't set my own. I get a paycheck like everyone else. And it's not because, oh, well, you're the pastor. You don't have to pay tithes. Oh, no. Everyone that's on our staff, every pastor here, they, they get paid a paycheck. But you tithe off of that paycheck. And a tithe, again, is 10% of your income. That's what God has called us to do. So the pastors are not you know, off the hook because, well, we work here. Oh, no. No, no, we all tie. 
Again, why? So that the ministry can take place. But getting back to Paul's ministry, he was starting churches. He was preaching the gospel that the Messiah had come to save sinners. That led to numerous groups of people that came again to oppose him. So Paul followed the path of simply trusting God for the express purpose of showing that he served God with a pure heart that burned for his maker. Which brings up our second point, running to save. Running to save. Let's read what he says here, picking up in verse 15. He says, but I have used none of these things, and I'm not writing these things, that it may be done, and so in my case. For it would be better for me to die than to have any man make my boast an empty one. Like, hey, you know what? I don't rely on anyone for what I do. The Lord is the one that supplies my need. My son-in-law, he had just uh, called me. You know, he started a church back in Montgomery, Alabama. And so he called me yesterday and said, hey, I have this uh, religious organization that wants to help give me money. They're going to pay my salary for you know, X amount of time, but then they want X amount of money back out of the church as it starts going. And I said, don't do it. I said, you trust the Lord. I said, me and mom moved here 10 years ago and started this church. And it's like, no one gave us money. We trusted in the Lord and whatever the Lord put for us, that's what we got. And it's just like, we came here with empty pockets and look, we have a church now here. We bought a building, all of these things. And it's like, we didn't rely on some other ministry to do that. You know, I came out of Greg Glory's church, but he didn't like put money down on this building. He didn't uh, help do the build out. He didn't do these things, you know? And I said, so, you know, don't go with any organization that says, we, we want a percentage of your church. I said, don't do it. I said, you know, when God called Abraham to leave, you know, and he went out on his journey. Did some other church say, well, we'll, we'll help you. And we'll pay you some money. It's like, no, God supplied all of his needs and Abraham became a rich man, you know? So it's like, you always trust the Lord for these things. And then he goes on to say in verse 16, he says, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of for I am under compulsion for woe is me. If I do not preach the gospel, See, that's this is what it's all about. This is what it's all about for me, the Apostle Paul. Verse 17, for if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. What then is my reward? That when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge. People will say to me, you know, well, how much do you charge for coming and speaking? Uh, I don't charge for coming and speaking. I don't charge. Just like when someone wants to get married here, we don't charge. See, that's what the Apostle, no one's going to say, I charge for this. So as not to make use of my full rights of the gospel, verse 19, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all that I might win the more. And to the Jews, I became a Jew. Well, he was a Jew already, but he, what he's saying is, I'm going to do whatever it takes to win someone to the gospel that I might win the Jews. So you know, to those that are under the law, as to under the law. Like you want to live like you're under the law? Well, I'll come under the law with you just to share the gospel. Though not being myself under the law, he goes, I'm not under the law, but I'll come and talk to you that are under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. He says to those who are without the law, Gentiles, heathens, well, I'm going to go talk to them. Though being, you know, without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak, I became weak 
that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I by all means might save some. And I do all things for the sake of the gospel that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Yes, Paul ran the race to save those who were lost. And he was not going to allow anyone for any reason to say that he was in it for the money. Know this, when someone goes into the ministry, they are signing up for a life of sacrifice. It's long hours. It's coming in early at times. It's staying late at other times. It's going the extra mile. But know this, this is not just for those called into the ministry. This is a call for all those that call themselves Christians. You know, we just do what has to be done when it has to be done. And he says here in verse 16, look at that again. He says, if I preach the gospel, I don't have anything to boast of. He says, I'm under compulsion for woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. So Paul makes perfectly clear here, there is nothing to boast of in preaching the gospel. No bragging rights here. All the glory can only go to the one who saved us. Because if I would have never got saved and I didn't never taste of the the grace of God, why would I want to even share with anyone else? But because I've tasted of the grace of God, because I knew what such a dirtbag I was, and if God can save me, then I recognize no matter who you are, where you're at, and no matter what you've done, God can save you too. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, that's Core Church LA, one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to our P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.